2: College football galore today. Bad news for Minnesota. Wow, they lose at number twenty-four Illinois, twenty-six to fourteen. Tanner Morgan injured in that game. Another struggle for the Golden Gophers. They manage only a touchdown. In quarters two and three, they fall to four and two overall, one and two in the Big Ten. And they're on the road at Penn State next week before returning home at the end of the month to play Rutgers. So what started out uh, 4-0 and and uh, highly touted. Uh, they have fallen on hard times with losses to Purdue and Illinois. So college football heating up, high school football heating up as well and all the other high school sports. Then, of course, so the Wild are underway. Real clunker against the Rangers. Golden Gopher men's and women's hockey underway. Jeff Myers joining us from the Rink Live, literally from the Rink Live. Jez, how you been? I was going
3: to say, I'm literally at the Rink Live. I'm at Ritter Arena right now. Got a good one going on here. Uh, Gopher women blew out Minnesota State Mankato last night, down in Mankato. It was 11 nothing was the final. Uh, Brad Frost, the Gophers coach, has told us he thinks this Mankato team is better than a lot of people, but they, they didn't show it last night, but Hey, today we got a good one going on. Gophers are up 4-3. We're about halfway through the game. There's 3 nothing Gophers, and the Mavericks are showing some pushback. Kind of fun to see a, a little bit better game, and I think both teams benefit from that.
2: Yeah, and uh, th- this is a team that has uh, expectations of not only competing for the WCHA, but uh, – Year in and year out, the goal is to win the national championship. There aren't a lot of programs in any sport that can say that, but literally, to you, that is the goal, and uh, they have come up short as of late.
3: Yeah, and, you know, last year's team was one of those years where maybe you didn't expect as much from these Gophers. Uh, A couple of really good players were off at the Olympics last year. The Gophers wind up winning the WCHA. They they claim the uh, Patty Kazmaier Award, which is basically the Heisman Trophy for women's hockey. In Taylor Heisey, their top center, uh, she wins that last year. They're the number one ranked team in the country uh, going into the playoffs, and then they get upset by Minnesota Duluth, and they don't even make the Frozen Four. So it was kind of a weird year. They did a lot of things, but overall, kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. They got those Olympians back this year, and in, in this. Uh, the COVID-era rules where people can play five seasons now, uh, both of them came back. So this is an absolutely loaded hockey team uh, in a very good conference, year in and year out. The WCHA top to bottom is so tough uh, that you know, it'll be very interesting to see what this team can do with all of the talent that Brad Frost has put together uh, with, with Natalie Darwitz by his side as uh, you know, kind of the chief recruiter for this program.
2: Yeah, and you, you, you've got to wonder if, and Brad's done a phenomenal job in, in the wake of taking over for Laura Halderson. It's been a, a number of years now. Um, do, do you get the sense that Natalie Darwitz is the heir apparent at some point? Brad's not an old man, but I I, I would assume the stage is being set for Darwitz to take over at some point.
3: You would think that. Now, the wrinkle in that is Nadine Muzerol, former Gopher player, has gone to Ohio State. She has lifted yep. that program from being an all Ran to winning the national championship last year. So I would think if that job was truly open, uh, if and when Brad Ross- Frost decides to move on. And like you say, you know he, he's not, a, he's not a close to retirement age, so he could be here for a long time, but... When, if and when the job is open, I would think Nadine Musgrove would make a, a pretty strong push for that job as well. But, you know, I don't think there was any secret why uh, Brad Frost brought uh, Natalie Darwitz onto his staff. But last year, obviously, she's a legend of this program. She's somebody that can open doors. You know, any, any women's hockey player in Minnesota knows who she is and is going to invite her into the home if she's uh, doing a recruiting pitch. So I think it's paying some real dividends for this program.
2: Jez Myers from the uh, the Ring live, literally today, from Ritter Arena, uh, Golden Gopher men's hockey. Uh, they are underway. Your thoughts on uh, the first four of this season for the Golden Gophers?
3: Uh, a month ago, if you would have asked me about this team, I would have said on January 1st, I think they'll be the best team in the country. I'm sticking with that. They've got some real potential, but with 11 newcomers, it's going to take a little bit for them to figure kind of everything out, you know, they got a couple wins against an upstart wood program to open the season. Then last weekend, a really good series with Minnesota State, you know, a team that had knocked them out of the playoffs the past two years. That was one that these Gopher players, especially the upperclassmen, admitted they had that one circled on the schedule. They uh, they felt they owed the Mavericks something uh, here in Minneapolis. It was a four-one win by the Gophers down in Mankato. A really good game. The Mavericks wind up winning that one three to two. Minnesota State is, again, a really good team. People who thought them, uh, that they would fall off with the, the players they lost last year when they were within 20 minutes of winning a national championship, they have kind of reloaded. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a good squad. They've got a defenseman named Jake Livingstone who just runs things on the back end for the Mavs. So they're a good team as well, really good series. Now the Gopher men are off this weekend, get a little time to rest and kind of reset their bearings with a 3-1 to record. And then next weekend it gets real fun. North Dakota comes to town, you know, but probably their oldest rival. The the kind of uh, the border battle, the, the chip on the shoulder when the team with, with, that wears green and white comes to town, and they'll bring a lot of fans here. So that could be a fun one as well. Yeah,
2: and with all due respect to UMD and the other teams in the old WCHA, my my mom and dad were season ticket holders for a long time, going back to the old building before they moved over to to the new building, and it's not that new anymore. 3M Arena at Mariucci, and they gave those up when the fees started getting high, and they got pushed around a little bit, and and they said to hell with it. But I I just remember vividly uh, begging Mom and Dad to include me in at least one of those games when North Dakota was in town because that, that was great sports theater back in the day.
3: Absolutely. You know, it's a rivalry that dates back to like the 1940s when North Dakota started this program. And, you know, they they talk about the border battle and the rivalry with Wisconsin and all of that. But for my money, you know, I, I, I have a soft spot, too. The first ever college hockey game I saw was the Gophers versus the then Fighting Sioux in Grand Forks on a cold night with a blizzard blowing, you know, and the place was packed and the bands are playing and just a, just a fun, fun rivalry. And some great stories, too, if you go back about, you know, in the 40s and 50s when they used to travel by train to go to these games. You know, I, I have friends in Grand Forks who would say, you know, the, the train would be absolutely packed with hundreds and hundreds of North Dakota fans coming down to Minneapolis to the games. And then they said, you know, not all of them actually made it to the arena because you got caught up in, you know, all the fun stuff Minneapolis had to offer. But, uh, you know, they always bring a, a big fan base, big contingent or very passionate fans. Whether you like North Dakota or not, you've got to respect their fan base because they travel everywhere, they're loud, they're, you know, they, they have a lot of
2: fun. Yeah, uh, just great stuff coming up. And hopefully they're going to sell a few tickets. It'll feel like the old days in there, Minnesota and North Dakota on uh, Friday and Saturday night at 3M Arena at Mariucci. And they, they won't have to compete with football. They're, they're going to be out of town at Penn State that weekend. So uh, they're, they're going to have uh, the campus to themselves next Friday and Saturday night. And that certainly should be fun. I, I'm kind of delaying the inevitable, and that's bringing up the Minnesota Wild. Uh, what, what a... <laughs> Uh, there, there was so much optimism going into the season. Mark Andre Fleury, uh, sure bet, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, in net, Kirill Kaprizov is back. Uh, they, they've got some other young, exciting talent, and the roof caved in. The, the blue line was terrible.
3: The the defense was lousy. There, there's no there's no you know sugarcoating it, anything like that. We asked Ryan Hartman after that first game. What did you think overall of your team's defense? He said, awful, just awful. You know, there's, there's no uh, excuses being made, anything like that. And it wasn't just Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, I didn't think he had a good game, but, man, was he left hung out to dry a couple times. He's got to be better overall. You're, you're right to wonder that this guy, you're absolutely right, first day Hall of Famer, his name's on the Stanley Cup a couple times. That's not going to change But you wonder at 38 years old, you know, stopping pucks and flipping and flopping around as much as he does, how much he might have left in the tank. And that's the question mark. Now, here's the good news. I thought the offense was fantastic. And, you know, you almost forget how good and how much fun Kirill Kaprizov is to watch when he's got the puck on his stick and he's making plays and he's moving in the offensive zone. I think they're going to be fine offensively. But, you know, I don't know if you want to go back to the old, you know, 1980s Edmonton Oilers where you're trying to win every game seven to six. I don't think that plays in the modern NHL. So they're going to have to figure some things out on defense, and they're going to have to do it pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, and you've got to imagine, you know, this, this is a long way from uh, Jacques Lemaire in the early days of the Minnesota Wild, the neutral zone trap.
3: Absolutely, we don't we don't see the uh, the dead puck era, as I would call it, anymore. You know, there, yeah. there were a couple games there under you know Todd Richards and some of the coaches they had later, where you know the Wild would have like twelve shots in the first period, and I would joke, well, that would take about a month under Lemaire because You just uh, never wanted to give up the puck by actually shooting it on the net.
2: Yeah, so ugly start against Rangers, Kings tonight, uh, then uh, wildly talented Colorado Avalanche team in. On a Monday night, and then uh, the Vancouver Canucks uh, close out that opening four-game homestand. And what's crazy about it? I- I'm no math wizard, but after this four at home, that's ten percent of the home schedule, You're just shy of ten percent of the home schedule. And then uh, they hit the road. But uh, yeah, I, the Wild, and that—that that was my thought when when I would talk to. Hockey fans that I knew and folks I worked with during the week, they said, "You know, what do you think about the Wild?" And it's like, I, I hate to say it, it's the old cliche. How good is the goaltending going to be? You know, how good is Mark, Fleury, Mark Andre Fleury going to be between the pipes this year? Because Father Time ultimately is undefeated, and if he's able to play well all year, you know. They they put a lot of eggs in that basket, and he's probably, they're going to need him to play well and probably 60 starts this year.
3: One of my favorite bits, you know, all the
2: the talk about advanced analytics and all
3: of that stuff that goes on in sports today. One of my favorite statistics, and it's a totally made-up number, but I say this all the time, is that in hockey, goaltending is 90% of the equation. Unless you don't have it, and then it's 100% of the equation.
2: <laughs> exactly. It, yeah, it, it is so true. And, and my other favorite saying is once it gets to the Stanley Cup playoffs, um, the the reason they don't call it goalie is because Stanley Cup playoffs sounds better.
4: <laughs> exactly. So,
3: exactly. Uh, so, yeah, you know, they're, they're absolutely counting on Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, they've got – A top notch goalie prospect in Jesper Walstead playing down in Iowa this year. You know, that's going to be the question that's going to, you're going to start hearing more if we have another couple of clunkers from the defense is when are you going to bring Jesper Walstead up here? They desperately do not want to do that this season. They want to give him more of a taste of professional hockey at the minor league level this year and not rush him up to the NHL level. But you wonder, if, if things start to go really sideways in net here, and granted, it's one game, Steve, you know, we, we can't, yeah, for sure. uh, as, as Matt Boldy said repeatedly on Thursday night, we're not pushing the panic button, we've got 81 games left. But tonight, I think, honestly, is a really critical game, because the LA Kings had some high expectations this year, all of a sudden, they're coming in here 0-2. The Wilder 0-1, there was the big off-season trade with Kevin Fiala going to Los Angeles. You know, this idea that he would have a new start and he would be able to replicate what he did in Minnesota. And I don't think he has a goal yet. I, I Maybe not have, even have a point yet. So some pressure on him to kind of produce and make that trade w- worthwhile for the Kings. So a lot of stuff on the line. And, and it's crazy because we're talking about the second game of the season.
2: Yeah, and I also feel like, you know, getting people – on the bandwagon and you know get, getting people excited about it because it's ultimately selling tickets, getting getting people in the seats at the XL Energy Center and you know on opening night I had heard this and I, I'm not sure it's true. I would assume they announced a sellout, but but I know they were peddling tickets uh up until the final day that, that it that it wasn't an advanced sellout. That's what I heard.
3: Yeah, the days of just opening the doors and, and that's all you needed to do to sell 18,000 tickets, I think those days are long gone, you know, and, and you're seeing that across the board in all sports, you know, be it college football, be it the NFL or whatever, and part of that, Steve, is, you know, the TV product has gotten so good uh, with replays, with high definition, with 4K, with all of that, you know, a lot of people have come to the realization that, you know, I don't mind sitting at home in my living room, you know, having a beer, <laughs> That that doesn't cost me, you know, seven fifty or whatever you pay for a beer at a, at a sporting event now, sitting in my living room, not having to fight traffic, not having to pay for parking, all that, and I'll just watch the game here, especially in the winter. So they've got to do a lot of things to get people in the building when when tickets are a higher price like they are.
2: And one other thing I want to bring up, uh, we're, we're still a ways away from high school hockey getting started, but I know tryouts for the youth are underway in earnest all around the state, and and we want to wish. Uh, all the kids, all the parents, all the coaches, well, it, it's sometimes not easy during tryouts.
3: The kids will be fine. I always think of the parents. <laughs> so man, if, if there's a more stressful time for a parent than watching your kids go through tryouts and, and going up to the, the bulletin board in the rink and seeing what team oh, they God. made and all that. And, you know, I always joke, too, my kids were going to wind up with, with players they knew no matter what team they wound up on. You know, I, I had no illusions that any of my kids were going to play in the National Hockey League, so it was like, hey, go out there and have fun, but as a parent, here's all you want. You want another fun group of parents that, you know, you can hang out with, you can get a beer with on the road, that kind of stuff. If it's, if it's parents that you don't like or parents that you don't know very well, that makes it a lot tougher to, to get that motivation to go to the rink every, every day.
2: Yeah, and I'm glad you boiled it down. It is about The out of town trips. When we'd go to Grand Rapids or wherever uh, for for the couple, three out of town trips during the season, that's what made it great memories. We still have friends uh, to this day from from those out of town trips way back in the day. Jess, always good to visit with you. Enjoy your day at the Rink, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon.
3: Steve, always good to talk hockey. Call me anytime. All
2: right, there he is. Jess Myers from the Rink Live. He is at Ritter. Today, Golden Golden Gopher women uh, playing well out of the gate. Uh, Golden Gopher men are idle. Wild and Kings tonight from St. Paul. Quick break. It is 3.23 here at News Talk. e three O W wcco College Football
0: Celebrate and Save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just 399 dollars 99 Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at 250 dollars Plus receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beauty Rest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax and delivery may be required. See store more for details.
5: Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast.
2: Scores coming up later on in the day. College football final. Uh, early game today. Minnesota loses at number 24, Illinois, 26 to 14. Bad news, Tanner Morgan injured in that game. When he left, 4-12, 21 yards and a pick. Uh, on the ground, 6 carries, 23 yards. Mo Ibrahim, 15 carries, 123 yards and one touchdown. Uh, Tanner Morgan had the other touchdown on the ground. Um, Gophers have dropped two in a row. They are now 4-2 and two overall, 1-2 and two in the Big Ten. And on the road at Penn State next Saturday, they get Rutgers at the end of the month. So that 4-0 uh, start, maybe a mirage, maybe fool's gold. But to the Golden Gophers have fallen on hard times. Illinois now 6-1, 3-1 in the Big Ten. And they are playing extremely well right now. So we'll talk a little more college football coming up later here on News Talk e 3 Actually, we'll talk a lot more college football coming up later on in college football final. We'll have scores and game reports from all over the region uh, beginning at uh, 4.30 uh, today. Quick update on MLB on this Saturday. A lot of action. Uh, Philadelphia leading Atlanta 7-2. Uh, that, that game in the bottom of the sixth inning uh underway now Houston and Seattle are scoreless later on New York in Cleveland to play the Guardians that series tied at 1 and then the Dodgers and the Padres go at it in San Diego tonight San Diego up 2 games to 1 in that series so there you go uh once again Phillies lead the Braves 7 to 2 in the 6th Phillies lead the series two games to one. Houston and Seattle, in Seattle, are scoreless. Astros won the first two games in Houston. So you're up to date on the Major League playoffs. But how about that? Um, in this round, Braves, Phillies, whatever. Um, if I had to pick Houston or Seattle, I'd probably pick Seattle. like to see the Mariners after a long playoff drought. Uh, move to the American League Championship Series. Uh, Yankees-Guardians goes without saying. It would be Cleveland all the way in that one. That series is tied at one. And then uh, Padres-Dodgers, no doubt. I'd love to see San Diego knock off the L.A. Dodgers in their $3 billion payroll or whatever it is. I don't think it's $3 billion. Uh, We're going to have the weather coming up in a moment. Uh, A cool down early in the week. Highs only in the 30s but we'll see mid-50s by the end of the week. We'll get into all of that in a moment here on News Talk. a Three O W C C O. The preseason is in the rearview mirror. The Timberwolves gearing up for the start of the season. Oklahoma City at Target Center on Wednesday night. You'll hear them all here with Alan Horton on the home of the Timberwolves. And Utah on Friday night i will make a trip to OKC a week from tomorrow to open the road portion of the schedule. Joining us to talk Timberwolves, Chris Hine from the Star Tribune, online at StarTribune.com. Chris, here we go. Preseason in the rearview mirror. Thankfully, now the games begin for real.
4: They do, and I think the biggest thing that maybe we learned, uh, especially from last night's game, was this team is going to need some time, I think, to come together. Um, Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert, didn't get to practice much during the preseason. Uh Carl was out sick for a while and you know they've been uh easing Rudy back in after he had a busy summer playing in Europe. Um and last night was the first night that we got to see them together and it it took them three minutes and fifteen seconds to score their first point. <laughs> um and I just think it's it's that that's that was what was driven home last night was you know, this team is not gonna be a finished product, I think, when they take the court on Wednesday night. Yeah,
2: the good news is is that they have a relatively soft start. Now Utah no slouch in, in game two, but you have Oklahoma City, uh, San Antonio, uh, right out of the gate, and four out of their five are at home. So if you're gonna shake off the rust and develop some chemistry, this might be a good way to do it.
4: Yeah and that's that's what you have to look forward to here in the early part of the season. They should be able to to feel some things out, get some wins in the bank while not playing perfect. And that's kind of how the the season started for them last year too a little bit. Um you know, their their start to last season was not a good one. Um they they struggled coming out of the gate the first 12 13 games and then you know, they they figured some things out, they found the right lineup combinations, uh, they started clicking offensively. Um, and then it, you know, the season really took off after about the first month or so of the season. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, uh, Chris Finch thought they were in too much pick and roll last night. And that's easy to do when you have Rudy Gobert, who is one of the best screen setters, uh, in the NBA. Um, but Finch's offense is much more of a free flowing ball movement oriented offense. Not to say that there isn't screening involved in that, there very much is, but, you know, when it's just that is your kind of primary action, that's not what he's looking for every trip down the floor. So they need to work on that. Um, and, you know, defense requires communication and chemistry, and they need to work on that as well.
2: Chris Heinz running us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline he covers the Timberwolves for the Star Tribune online at startribune.com. And Chris, there was a lot of talk when Rudy Gobert uh, came over to the Timberwolves that D'Angelo Russell this would be you know something that fits in you know playing that pick and roll and there there was a lot of talk early on that D'Angelo Russell and Rudy Gobert would work a lot together and um, trying to find that balance and that mix and you know when you run that action and when you do something else because as we know at times last year you know Anthony Edwards was absolutely spectacular and He's not necessarily a pick-and-roll guy.
4: Yeah, and, and, you know, that's kind of what they have to figure out offensively. And Delo and was kind of harped on that same message last night. He's still learning, Rudy, and vice versa. Um, you know, and with Ant, I think you're going to see Ant. The At least the basic idea when we talked to Chris Finch a few weeks ago was that, you know, as, as you get into your rotations throughout the game, Ant – Plays with Carl when Carl's on the floor, and D'Lo plays with Rudy when when Rudy's on the floor. That's kind of the combination that they have envisioned right now. Um, so, who plays around them is what they have to figure out too. And how long do you play Carl and Rudy for on a given night?
2: Yeah, and Carl uh, Anthony Towns certainly want to be elite scoring threats. Uh, in the NBA as well, and and you don't want to lose sight of that as well. The the simple fact of the matter is the Timberwolves go into this season, starting on Wednesday night, is not only expecting to make the playoffs, but certainly be in the top six in the NBA's Western Conference. I mean, even you know get, getting into the play-in tournament isn't enough for this team. They, they they've gone all in and going far beyond that. I I, I think reaching for a top four seed. It shouldn't be out of the question for this team.
4: That's that's the goal is to to at least get into the top four. Um, I I think top six, if they were the sixth seed, it would feel like a bit of a letdown, Um, especially because last season they were only a couple games out of the sixth seed at the end of the season. Um, So I think that they are still well-positioned to win a lot of regular season games. Uh, Carlos Anthony Towns tends to play a lot of uh, regular season games. Anthony Edwards has shown he's fairly durable in his first two seasons. Um, You know, D'Angelo Russell is the one who usually misses uh, 15 to 20 games. But keep in mind with D'Lo this year, he's got something to prove. He's in a contract year right now. So, you know, it will be interesting to see how much he tries to push himself to play. Um, and so I think that's kind of going to be something to monitor as well as just what he does in a contract year. Um, and you know, Jade McDaniel has proven pretty durable as well. So I think that they're just going to have a lot of guys available this year to where they're just going to have more talent on the floor. And you look at some of these other teams around the league, Uh, that are tanking for the, the Victor Wimbayama, uh, sweepstakes here. Uh, I, I just think that the stars are, the stars will allow for them to win a lot of regular season games and get a high seat. The, the question is what happens when you go into the playoffs, when all these other teams that maybe rested their starters throughout the season are now back at full strength, and how do you match up with them?
2: Yeah, and beyond that, Chris, I, I I know as a beat writer and you, you spend a lot of time covering this team at practice, home and on the road, you, you start kicking around, you know, what rotations look like. You already brought up, you know, what's been bandied about, but Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell and Rudy Gobert playing together on the floor and how they mix and match around those guys, you know, what what's kinda your projected rotation and how this looks like and, you know, who's gonna get minutes and who's gonna potentially need to earn minutes or only get minutes when there's injuries?
4: I <laughs> I'd be I'd just be guessing. I'd be throwing darts yeah, at, sure. at the dartboard if I, was, if I was trying to uh nail down minutes for everybody, but I, I will say that I think Nas Reed has has made sure to Announced that he's not going anywhere despite there being two all pro centers on the roster. Um, he had a very strong preseason. Um, he's been learning to play the four spot so that he could get more minutes, uh, behind Carl and Rudy. Um, so he's not going anywhere. And I think of the, of the guys that they've signed, you know, it's going to be interesting to see which of like Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers kind of gets those, those backup guard minutes. Bryn Forbes looks like he fits very seamlessly, I think, with what the Wolves are trying to do offensively. And he's a career forty plus percent three point shooter. So I I think he can really uh really help them coming off the bench in terms of just getting open shots and and knocking them down. Um Austin Rivers is kind of the flip side of that. If they need a little more defensive uh energy and intensity coming off the bench. That's the guy you bring in in that situation. So, it's going to be interesting to see how how Fitz kind of juggles these these guys on a on a night in night out basis. Tory and Prince, I thought, you know, he had a really strong second half to the season last year yes. when he shot the ball really well. Uh fits in seamlessly on the defensive end with what they want to do as well. So, I think they brought him back. He's a valuable piece. Kyle Anderson. There are a lot of options for them off the bench. That I, you know, I think even on a nightly basis, things could look different. Like I don't, I don't think Chris Finch necessarily has to be locked into a set nine or ten guys. I think depending on the opponent, it could, it could really vary.
2: Yeah, and uh, the it, it is once again a long season, and as you pointed out, a, a full start doesn't necessarily spell doom for this group because, uh, we, as, as you alluded to, saw it a year ago. And this this is a very different group than a year ago. But uh, players like Towns and, and, and now Ant uh, kind of know what it takes to get to the postseason. And it, it will be very interesting to see how this ultimately plays out with Rudy Gobert. And th- there's no question as well. The, the fans are on board. There, there's a lot of buzz around this team, and and that's unique as well, Chris.
4: There's a lot of excitement. You know, look, it's, this is a franchise that's only been in the Western Conference Finals once in its existence. Uh, so, you know, this this team has the potential to to get there, whether it's this year or in, in the next year or two. Um, things have to click right, though. You know, things have to click. And this is just the very beginning of of that long process of, of trying to get all these guys on the same page, trying to maximize each of their talents, complement each other. Well, you know, it's, it's just, it's fast. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Um, you know, it was interesting to be there for those first three minutes last night, you know, the, Crowd doesn't have a, or crowd has a tradition of now standing up, uh, before every basket, or, or before the first basket, and then they sit down after the first basket. So everybody was standing for those first three, three, fifteen when they didn't score, and it just kind of felt a little awkward and nervous. So, uh, so I, I'm wondering how that's gonna feel in the regular season in Target Center if things aren't necessarily going well how how tense is the building going to get um for for as energetic and and for as raucous as that as the crowd was at times last year and it was you can really feel it in that building when things aren't going right um so i i wonder how that's going to go especially early on with all these home games if things don't get off on on at least a decent path where they're winning games early
2: Pens up demand for a winner for sure. A little bit more about Cat, and we'll let you go, Chris. Um, in the off season, there was talk about him dropping some weight, and then the illness. Beyond that, uh, what, what what's the thought process in in Carl? Maybe trying to change his body a little bit, and then of course the illness was certainly a wrench and limit his time in the preseason.
4: Well, I think he was already trying to lose at least a little bit of weight because he was going to be playing more on the four, you know, playing potentially guarding guys who are a little smaller and quicker. So I think that was already a little bit of the plan, but then the illness comes and it knocks off a lot of weight, uh, from him. And he said that he lost about 30 pounds from about 260 to 230. And so he's trying to build that back up. Um, so that's going to be an, an ongoing process for him throughout the season as well. Um, he, he said he's dealing with it better. He, he, was, he, was, he said he was this light back when he played under Tom Thibodeau. Um, he didn't really like it back then, um, he, but he says he's in a better frame of mind to handle where he's at right now. Um, while also just trying to get back and, and rebuild uh, the mass and the muscle, and you know, so he's able to absorb contact and and hits a little better down low. But you know, this year he may not have to absorb as as much contact because he's going to have Rudy Gobert there to to absorb uh, a lot of that as well, and and you know, hit the glass alongside with him. He's not going to be the only guy down there that's that's going to have to to muscle his way around.
2: And I would assume out of the gate his minutes are going to be limited as as he works his way back. Is that fair to assume? You know, Wednesday, Friday, first full of games of the season. Uh, yeah, I Carl don't know. Could, yeah,
4: yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think he ended up playing over 30 minutes in last oh. night's preseason game. They 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 really treated last night's preseason game as a. Uh, you know, let's let's get some minutes out there for everybody and get them. You know, whether it's whether it was for conditioning purposes or just to get some stuff on film because they haven't played together a lot. Um, I, I'm, you know, maybe a little bit of both, um, but I'm not. I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll see how they how they manage Carl's minutes. But as of now, we haven't really asked Finch specifically about that. But based on last night, I would assume he's a, he's a full go for his full complement of minutes uh, on Wednesday night. But we'll we'll check in on that, I guess.
2: Yeah, and all the talk about Rudy Gobert and D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, still front and center with this team, and rightfully so. Uh, always good to visit with you, Chris. Look forward to your coverage all season long in the Star Tribune.
4: Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it, as always.
2: All right, there he is, Chris Hine, online, com, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. And we'll have them all here on the home of the Timberwolves starting Wednesday night. The superb Alan Horton will have the play-by-play for every game, including playoffs. Once again, starting Wednesday night, pregame, 6.30 with Cal. Then Allen with all the play-by-play on Wednesday night. Jazz Friday on the road to OKC next Sunday, and then they return home Monday the 24th and Wednesday the 26th, San Antonio in for two in a row. Then they're on the road, or then the L.A. Lakers in on a Friday night, October 28th. Then they hit the road to San Antonio and Phoenix to close out the month and start November. Quick break, three we'll have some scores, some headlines. All the news at 4, will go outdoors with Steve Carney here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. Gophers lose at Illinois earlier today, 26-14. They've dropped two in a row. So they get beat by Purdue at home, go into the bye week, come out of the bye week. And beyond that, lose Tanner Morgan to an injury. And the Gophers now 4-2 and two overall, 1-2 and two in the Big Ten. They'll be at Penn State next Saturday. Home to Rutgers in two weeks. So that 4-0 and start. Now 4-2. They need two wins to get bowl eligible. Seemed like a foregone conclusion. Meanwhile, the Illini, they are bowl eligible. They're 6-1. and 3-1 and one in the Big Ten. Brett Bielema doing an outstanding job. He was, uh, of course, at Wisconsin. Then uh, went down to Arkansas now uh, doing a great job at Illinois as the Illini... Beat the Golden Gophers 26-14. to 14. All the news, all the weather will go outdoors with Steve Kearney. Talk high school football with Steve Hamilton from Elk River. And then college football final gets underway here on this Saturday afternoon in October. Here on News Talk, 830-WCCO.